written notes that you had to suffer through those, so I appreciate you doing that. So if I came up to you and I gave you this offer, if I said, hey, I can give you something, or I'm going to ask you to give something up, which would you probably go for? Yeah. I'd probably want somebody to give me something, yeah. and I might be a little nervous. I might be like, what are you giving me? Like, are you giving me the flu? You know, like, as long as it's something good, I'll take it. Most of us don't like giving things up. But in the Bible, every, almost every time it talks about prayer, there's this reference to fasting. It comes up again and again and again. It says when you pray, also fast. Or when you fast and you pray. And it comes up again and again and again. But it's not a very popular concept. In fact, most of the sermons I've heard about fasting have been sermons I've preached. Like I spent uh, uh, about nine years at working at a church in Tennessee, and it would occasionally come up, but it's not a very popular subject. If you really want to get people excited, don't go up to them and say, hey, let's talk about fasting. Um, in seminary, they used to joke, if you want to empty out the church, hold a prayer meeting, because nobody will come to that. And hopefully people come to Marti, I'll be there. Um, but, you know, that was the joke. But they said, if you really want to drive people away, talk about praying and fasting. But unfortunately, the Bible talks about it, so we have to talk about it. And really, if we're honest about it, some of the most growth moments, the biggest growth moments in our lives, don't come from self-indulgence, but from sacrifice. Think about an Olympic athlete, right? All their friends are out playing, going to the party. They're out there training day after day after day. Think about the people who have achieved greatness in music or in art. Um, I read a study that most great artists, most great musicians have put in 10,000 hours of practice. That means that they gave up some self-indulgence, they sacrificed in order to see some growth. And I think if we're going to see spiritual growth in our prayer lives, that's going to involve giving up occasionally some eating. So, over the last few weeks, of course, we've been talking about prayer. We've been talking about how prayer isn't about getting what we want. It's not about coming up behind God, grabbing him by the arm and trying to be like, God, you've got to give me what I want. First of all, we can't do that. He's God. But I think sometimes that's how we think about prayer. Like, if I could pray the right way, I could kind of force God into giving me what I want. But prayer is about conforming to what God wants. By encountering Jesus and saying, what would Jesus pray for? What would Jesus ask for? And that's what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Because I truly believe that if we change our prayer life, we can change our whole life. If you change how you pray, you can change everything in your life. And so I think we're one decision away from a radically different life. And I think that decision is to pray more. To pray differently, to change our prayer lives, and you could live a different life. And so if you say, man, I hate where my life's going, I just feel directionless, I just feel aimless, I don't know what I'm doing, or I don't like this one. Have you considered changing how you pray? Or maybe you don't pray at all, and maybe you, the consideration you need to make is to start praying. But tonight we're going to talk about fasting. And there's just so much confusion about it because many times I don't think it's often taught on because it's not very pleasant. We don't enjoy giving things up. We enjoy getting things. And so I want to talk about some things about what fasting, fasting is and what it's not. So just simple definition here. Every time fasting is mentioned in scripture, it's talking about fasting from food. Talking about fasting from food. Fasting is going without something you physically need. You need to eat or you will die. It's going without something you physically need in order to focus on something you need spiritually. 
See, many times we spend 90% of our prayer life praying about physical needs and probably 90% of our needs are spiritual needs. And what fasting does is it helps us recognize, yes, I have physical needs, but I'm going to set those aside for a minute so I can focus on and recognize that I have spiritual needs. So that's what fasting is. So what is fasting not? I remember I was down in Tennessee and I was preaching a message on fasting and this lady came up to me afterwards and she goes, I've been needing to lose weight. So this is great. Now I can lose weight and it's spiritual too. Uh, fasting is not dieting, right? Dieting changes how you look. Fasting changes what you see and how you see. Fasting changes your perspective on what's happening in your world and what you need and what, um, what you see around you. Fasting begins to give you spiritual eyes rather than just physical eyes. So it's not about dieting. If you're like, you know what, I need to lose a few pounds, well, go on a diet, that's fine. But fasting is not about like, well, I'll lose weight. Bonus, I also get some brownie points with God. That's not fasting. That's not the idea at all. Fasting is also not skipping first world pleasures. And I see this a lot in our society today where we're like, um, especially young people, I'll see this a lot. They're like, I'm going to fast from Facebook or fast from social media. And then they spend two weeks putting it all over social media that they're fasting from social media, letting all the social media know. I'm like, why don't you just do it? Like, you have to let us know. Um, or it's not giving up sugar or giving up something. You can live without those things, so it's not a true fast. If we're going to talk about it in the biblical sense, it's going without something that you would die without, you have to have, but you choose to set it aside for something else. Really, the early church never had a question about, like, maybe we'll fast from some of these first world pleasures because they weren't in a first world setting. If you go over to India, they're not like, well, you know what, I've been thinking about fasting from my cell phone. They're, no, they're, they don't have first world pleasures. It's always about fasting from food. And so sometimes I think that we, we, we settle for something that we can live without. You can live without Facebook. You may not believe it. You can live without YouTube. You may not believe it, but you can. You can live without sugar, you can live without caffeine, you can't live without food. And so we miss some of the meaning here when we choose to do without something we can live without. It doesn't have the same effect. And so in the biblical sense, every time it's talking about fasting, it's not talking about giving up a first world pleasure, it's talking about going without food because that's a basic primal need that we all have. But we're setting that aside because there is an even deeper, more meaningful spiritual need that we have that we often ignore. When you have a hunger pain, what do you do? You eat. But I think a lot of times when we have a spiritual hunger pain, we try to do something else to satisfy it rather than going to the source that can satisfy our spiritual needs. But I need to say this. I used to not think I needed to say this, but I remember teaching on fasting in a small group in Tennessee, and a young man came up to me, and he goes, this fasting sounds like a good thing. He goes, I'm going to fast this week from pornography. And I'm like, well, you probably should just stop looking at pornography. He's like, I know it's destructive. It, uh, you know, it makes me real um, numb to uh, sensitivity to people and makes me treat women differently and I know I shouldn't be doing it but he's like I'll fast from it from this week we'll see what God does in my life and I'm like no 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 if you're doing something destructive if you're an alcoholic you don't fast from alcohol you quit drinking if you're looking at pornography you don't fast from pornography you stop looking at it if you have a gambling addiction you don't say I'm gonna fast from slot machines this week you stop gambling so 
Fasting is not giving up your vices. Fasting is choosing to go without food because you need food. But there's a spiritual need, and you need to remember that you have a deeper need than just food. So, why do we do it? Well, first of all, Jesus fasted. If Jesus is going to be our example, if we're trying to live and love like Jesus did, Jesus fasted. We find through, all throughout his ministry, there's moments where it talks about him fasting. In fact, one of his first ministry uh, things that we recognize is he fasts for 40 days where he's tempted in the wilderness. So Jesus did it. Number two, the early church did it. So we're talking the first couple of hundred years after Jesus, the people who saw Jesus with their own eyes come back to life. They saw him killed and they saw him come back to life. These people chose to fast each week, weekly. They chose the day of the week, and then you know what they would do? They would take the money that they saved from buying food that day, and they would give it to the poor. So it had a practical application, but it also had a spiritual application for them. I also think that it teaches self-control. If you want to be more disciplined in your life, start being disciplined in one area, and it starts to spill over into others. And I think the same thing happens here. If we exercise self-control in this aspect of our spiritual life, you begin to see it reflected in other aspects. And then we'll talk about this a little bit later, but there are some spiritual barrier, barriers. There are some spiritual strongholds that only fall when we fast. And Jesus talks about this, and we'll look at the passage here in a little bit. But there are some spiritual barriers. We live in a physical world, but we have souls. There's also a spiritual world happening at the same time. And there are some spiritual barriers that only fall when we pray and fast. So I want to jump into this passage here where Jesus talks just practically about some, some tips about when you fast, this is what you should do. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16, and it says this, Whenever you fast, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites, for they make their faces unattractive so that their fasting is obvious to all people. Truly, I tell you, they already have their reward, but when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting isn't obvious to others, but to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So first of all, notice here in verse 16, Jesus says, whenever you fast or when you fast. He doesn't say, if you fast, if you decide to fast, if you think, hey, that sounds like a good spiritual thing to do. For Jesus, talking to his followers, fasting was an assumption, not a suggestion. Jesus wasn't like, you know, this is level three Christianity. If you get there, go ahead and make sure you do this fasting thing. If you're not there yet, don't worry about it. Uh, I remember one lady came up to me in Tennessee after I taught on fasting. And she goes, you don't understand. I love food. And I was like, I love food too. That's the whole point. That's why. And she's like, no, no, no. I love food more than you. I love food. I can't go without it. And I'm like, that's kind of the point, that you have an even deeper, greater spiritual need than you do a love for food. And she was like, I, I can't do this. I won't do it. But for Jesus, fasting was not a suggestion. He wasn't like, hey, guys, you know, think this over. He just assumed if you were going to follow him, you were going to try to live and love like him, you would take days to go without food. He says, when you fast, this is what you should do. And notice his first, um, the first thing he says here, don't be gloomy like the hypocrites because they make their faces unattractive so that everyone knows that they are fasting. Fasting is not about looking spiritual, but seeing the spiritual world better. It's not about everyone saying, oh man, he must be really spiritual, look at him fasting. 
That's level three Christianity. That's impressive right there. But no, no, you're not doing it so you can get applause from people. You're doing it so that you can see the spiritual world better, so you can see your own spiritual need better, so you can see other people's spiritual needs better. It's so easy for us to just see the physical, to see what we physically need, to see the physical problems around us. But behind every physical problem, there's a spiritual problem. And we get spiritual eyes by choosing to go without physical food, which we need. It's not bad, it's good. But we choose to go without it so we can see the spiritual world. But it's not about looking spiritual. Now, I'm going to share a story with you where I was an idiot. Okay, so if you love stupid Alex stories, it's going to be right up your alley. I was in seminary, and in seminary you have a bunch of men who sit around and try to seem more spiritual than each other. Okay, there might be seminaries where that doesn't take place, but seminary I went to with a bunch of guys sitting around. Uh, we learned some good things, we were taught some good things, but we also sat around and tried to be more spiritual than each other all the time. We tried to have more spiritual knowledge and more spiritual experiences, and you get a lot of guys in the room who are trying to have the biggest ego in the room. And so I remember I was sitting in this classroom and these guys started talking about, I was like, I've got 10 days fasting before. And this other guy's like, I've got 20 days fasting. And this other one's like, I've got 40 days. That's what Jesus did in the wilderness. That's what I did, 40 days. And I was like, man, I want to go 40 days. I got to beat them. And I got to be in this, you know, level three Christianity so I can get in on this discussion and be like, I want 41 days. So that is not a good way to go into fasting, to be like, I want to be able to show off in seminary. And so I decided I'm fasting for 40 days. And I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go without food. I can drink things. I can drink water and juice and like protein shakes. And um, so anyways, I went for about seven days. It went pretty well. And then I started getting real grumpy. I'm like yelling at people. I have a short temper. I'm real hungry. And then I decide, you know what? I'm not getting enough uh, sustenance off of this. I said, what I need in my diet is ranch dressing. And so I started drinking ranch dressing. Um, yeah, if there was anything to brag about for going 40 days, it was all lost once you start drinking ranch dressing, okay? So if you ever see my sister again, she comes up and visits periodically, just say, hey, did Alex ever drink ranch dressing? Because she was living in, she was sharing an apartment with me at the time, and she was like, you disgust me. You are disgusting. You know, so any spiritual value was lost, and I was doing it, and I have such a will, I'm like, I'm not giving up. I'm going 41 days so I can show those people that I'm more spiritual than they are. Any spiritual value was lost because of my motivation. So if you come out of here and you're like, I'm going to fast, and I'm going to fast so I can tell Alex how spiritual I am, Jesus is like, no, 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 don't be telling people. Don't be going around like, what's wrong? I'm fasting because I'm so spiritual. He's like, don't bring it up. Don't draw attention to yourself. It's not about you. In fact, he says in verse 17, he says, they already have their reward. He says, what you should do is when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, act like it's a normal day. Don't let people know what you're doing. Fasting shouldn't draw attention to you. It should draw attention to God. It should draw your attention to God, and you should be drawing other people's attention to God, not drawing attention to yourself. Now, you say, Alex, do I have to be super, like, 
careful about this, so much so that I have to like lie and come up with reasons why I'm not eating things. It seems like every time I ever fasted, uh, when I was working at this insurance company, they'd be like, free pizza day, we're bringing in free pizza everybody. And they're like, Alex, smell it. Smell that pepperoni, you smell it. And I'm like, get that out. And I'm like, no thank you. I remember one time the manager brought in all these pizzas and he's like, team building exercise, coming in to eat pizza. And I was like, no, I'm gonna go for a walk. He's like, are you not part of this team? Are you anti-team? And I was like, no, 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 I'm for the team. So I go in, I get a Diet Coke, you know, I'm in there drinking it. He's like, eat a pizza, Alex, eat a pizza. And I, I finally said, hey, you know what? I'm not eating today. And, uh, you know, otherwise, he was just about to fire me because I was so anti-team that I wasn't eating his pizza. So, you know, if you get down to the point, it's okay to tell people, hey, not, I'm not eating today. You know, if they ask you and say, hey, it's just for uh, religious reasons or spiritual reasons. You know what? I've chosen not to eat today. And usually they let it go with that. But it's a different thing to walk in and be like, hey, everybody, I'd love to have these donuts I brought in, but I can't because I'm too spiritual. That's the wrong way to go about it. So you look down here at verse 18. And Jesus begins to talk about how there's this secret world. He says, so when you're fasting, is obvious to others, you already have your reward. But when you're fasting, you keep it secret. Your father, who is in secret, sees it. So there is the world that we always see. That's the physical world, right? We see that all the time. That's what catches our attention most of the time. But there is a secret world behind the physical world at all times. You're not just a body, you're a soul. You're a person inside this bag of flesh and bones. There's a mind behind just your body. And in this spiritual world, fasting does something that no, nothing else can. Fasting defeats spiritual foes and crumbles spiritual strongholds. In Matthew chapter 17, Jesus' followers are going out and they're casting out demons and they're praying over people and healing them. And they come to this one person and they can't do anything. And Jesus says, oh, prayer's not enough here. This is such a spiritual stronghold, you need to pray and fast. And I think sometimes in our lives, there are spiritual strongholds and spiritual foes and we can't see them but they'll only fall when we pray and fast. There's a, there's a secret battle going on around us, and fasting and prayer defeats spiritual foes. And you say, why is that, Alex? Like, what does fasting do? Is fasting like a spiritual canon? Like, I don't know. But I know that there's certain keys that only open certain locks, and there's certain saws that only um, saw certain metals. You need a certain laser to break through certain substances. And for some reason, God in his sovereignty has made fasting, humbling ourselves and going without food and praying as one of these spiritual weapons that fell spiritual foes and crumbles spiritual strongholds. I don't know why, but that's what he said. That's what I've experienced in my life, that sometimes when we fast and pray, it gives us the spiritual eyes and the spiritual power to defeat things that we never could face on our own. And then it says here in verse 18, it talks about the reward you get. And your father sees you fasting in secret and will reward you. And most of the time when people think about fasting, this is what they think. I fast, God likes me a little bit more, my prayers move up the list. And they imagine that there's this, there's this long line of people waiting to put in their prayer request to God. And then they're like, God's like, oh, wait a minute, Sheila just fasted. Bring her up here, we're getting her prayer request next. That's ridiculous, right? Fasting doesn't win us the favor of God. 
Jesus won us the favor of God. The only reason that God looks on us and he answers our requests is because we have become children of God through faith by grace in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, we wouldn't have the favor of God. It's not because we fast that God says, you know what? I'm going to bump up that prayer request. We're taking that to the front of the line. We're doing that next. No, it's because of Jesus that all of our prayer requests come right up to Jesus. And when we walk up to the throne of God, he says, oh, child, sit on my lap. Tell me what's going on in your life. What are you burdened about? What are you grieving about? The reward for fasting is a deeper relationship with God. Over and over again in scripture, as God talks about rewards and blessings, he's always talking about this, having a deeper experience with him. Knowing him and experiencing him on a deeper level. You know what we usually think of Americans when we hear reward or blessing? We're like, bigger paycheck. More wealth, more health, more stuff. And Jesus wasn't about giving us more stuff. He's about giving us more of himself. He says, I want you to experience more of me. I gave you everything on the cross and you're just now getting to experience a little bit of it. I want you to dive in and experience more. And fasting allows us to go deeper in our relationship with God and to experience him in new and exciting ways. Fasting does not win us the favor of God because we can't do enough good to outweigh how destructive we've been in the past. One destructive thing that we've said or done or thought, one sin, weighs more than all our best works and best deeds that we could ever do. And that's why Jesus Christ came into the world. Because we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't be good enough. He came and lived a perfect life and he died in our place on the cross. He paid the penalty to rescue us from sin and death. The reason that Jesus and God hear our request and act on our behalf is because of his sacrifice. So as we walk away today, what do we want to do? What do we need to do? It's not, uh, you know, you're not going to be like, whoa, I wonder how he got that challenge today. Obviously, what I think we should do is we should fast. Do you have a time in your life when you say, hey, I'm going to fast. I'm going to go without food today so that I can focus on the spiritual needs that I have. So I can spend time in prayer addressing the fact that I have a I have a deeper spiritual hunger than I even have a physical hunger. We're so good about feeding our physical hunger. We go too long without eating. We're like, let's run over to Wawa. Let's go out and grab a pizza. Let's pull something out of the fridge and eat it. But so often we go without feeding our spiritual hunger. And fasting reminds us of how great our spiritual need is. And so what I suggest to you is choose a day in the month. I'm not even asking you to do it every week. Just choose a day in the month. Maybe you want to do it on the 1st or the 15th or the 30th. You know, if you choose the 30th, there's some months that don't have a 30th, so you get out of it sometimes. Um, see, I'm already giving you a way out. So fasting one day a month puts you in a healthy rhythm where you can remind yourself that you have spiritual needs that go far beyond any physical needs that you face. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you hear us. And you don't hear us because we've been good or we've somehow earned your attention. But instead, God, you hear us because you are good and you came down and died in our place so that we might have a relationship with you. God, forgive us for so often 
spending all our time and energy thinking about our physical needs, which we have, which are real, which you want to hear and meet. But so often, God, we ignore our spiritual needs, which are many more than our physical needs, and are just as important in our everyday life. God, I pray that you will help these people here, you will help myself, to not just hear about fasting and say, that's good, someone should do that, I should do that someday. But instead, Lord, let us put a day on the calendar and each month develop a healthy rhythm where we remind ourselves that, yes, man does not live by bread alone, but we live by every word from God. And God, I pray that you will make us a faithful people that not only see the physical needs around us, but also see the spiritual needs. Who not only pray for the physical needs around us, but pray for the spiritual needs around us. And God, we pray that you will lift up high the name of Jesus and be glorified in this church and in this community. And I pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You are dismissed.